let's start the show. For Thursday, December 8th, 2016, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Hello and welcome everyone to uh, this week's episode of our technology podcast. It's a cold morning in San Francisco, so we're going to warm each other up with good company and good storytelling. You guys warm yourselves up. And a space heater. And a space heater. Thank goodness for our office manager who got us a space heater. Thanks, Ryan. So I'm Norm, joined by Jeremy and back from India. And his vacation, Kishore. Hello. Holiday it's break. good to be back. I'm enjoying the cold weather. 40s is my wheelhouse. Dude wore flip-flops here today. Wow. Yeah. Outside of all the broken glass out in front of the tested office, it was a good call. <laughs> I like mid-60s. That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> then you're living in the right town. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. I'm still kind of fighting some weird jet lag. I got in on Saturday, and we're recording this on a... Wednesday, and mm-hmm. I'm still sort of waking up at odd hours. And it still feels like Thursday afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get caught up with your trip, because oh. last week we talked a little about Thanksgiving. Uh, we know that you missed Black Friday. You had Thanksgiving in India. You I didn't there miss with... Black Friday. You? Oh, oh. I was in a village in India. Okay. And I found a Wi-Fi hotspot, and yes. I participated in Black Friday. Really? It was fine. Yeah, I got... Basically nothing. I got a couple things on yeah, Amazon. It wasn't very exciting. No, it was pretty terrible. So w- some highlights from your trip. How was it? So I actually, I went to Singapore for a few days, and then I went all around Rajasthan, which is a northern uh, state in India. And Singapore, getting off the plane, I had never been there before. Have either of you guys been to Singapore? No, I have not. I've it, only ridden their airlines, which is quite good. It, so that I'm coming to the airlines. But immediately after you get off the plane, you understand why Anthony Bourdain is in love with Singapore. I went to all of these kind of uh, what's called hacker centers, these uh, mo- food markets with all these different stalls. And there's a number of places that have super, super high quality food served out of these kind of like, you know, night markets. I tried so many different kinds of noodles and rice dishes and amazing dumplings. I'm in love with century eggs right now. Have you had century eggs? These are fermented really old. Oh, I yeah. hate century eggs. Oh, I love century Ugh. eggs right now. So good. So tell the story of what a century egg is supposed to be versus how it's actually made. I actually don't know. It, it, I know it's like a fermented egg and it turns the egg kind of this black purple texture uh and i had it in like a a porridge and it was delightful well it turns it into like a gelatinous thing there's nothing appealing about that description it it looks rotten it looks at the picture that looks great right it's worse and worse and it's called a century egg because the idea is that it's supposed to taste like it was in the ground for a century yes it's there's like an alkaline salt that transforms (laughs) it it raises the ph of the egg to about nine you know somewhere between nine and twelve Oh, it was great. I had all sorts of like kind of like eel kind of stuff that was incredible. I thought you I, like kanji. I do like kanji. Yeah. You do not like kanji? I don't like kanji. Uh, 
well, I guess we can't go to Singapore together now, Norm. <laughs> uh, I was really impressed with Singapore. It's you know great food town. Oh, I, here's the crazy thing I did. Um, I had a thirty-five dollar cocktail, and it was worth it. I went American dollars. Yeah, American dollars. So, but I have a good friend, like one of my oldest friends, lives in Singapore, and he's like, "We got to go to this Japanese speakeasy." And it was one of those places where you walk in, they're like, uh, "Hello, Mister So and So," and they like greet you, and then like a secret door opens, and you go through. They had these like club chairs. I still don't know the name of the place we went. That's how sort of exclusive it was, and. They just make, there's a whole show involved in making the drink, and it's just beautiful. It's the best Manhattan I've had in my life. Did it's you? just a Manhattan? It wasn't like some fancy. Just a Manhattan, like a bourbon I've never heard of before, served in like some of the best stemware I've ever seen. Did okay. you speak English the whole time? Yeah, Singapore is very dominant English uh, territory, even though it's highly multicultural. So that was easy to get around. But I spent most of my time in India, uh, and going around India was was fascinating. I went with my family, like my uh, both my wife and son, and then my parents and my brother and his kids came, uh, and we went to some really fascinating off the beat places. Uh, we went to this fort um, that was built in the 1700s, and the family had turned a few of the rooms of this fort uh, into a hotel, like eight rooms of this fort. Um, and his like great 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 granddad built this thing in the 1700s, and uh, it was beautiful on top of this river it was called Bainswergar. um really recommend anyone checking it out super off the beaten path you'd go through this village all of the people in the village were like excited to see like westerners and in, in town we got to eat like stuff they grew on the farm across the way from their fort wow um for for dinner and like look at stars so we got to see like mars and venus up in the sky and um India is a challenging place to travel around, though. I will say, there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There, uh, are you saying between towns, between cities, or just no, within just the overall, context of one overall? I mean, there's a lot of people everywhere. So, like Delhi, which is where we flew into, has like 20 million people. So there's traffic wow. everywhere, uh, and there's people everywhere. And that you know is not the relaxing vacation I imagine is like sitting in traffic and dealing with lots of people. But there's a lot of beauty. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Samuel Hendricks, a tested fan I met at the Taj Mahal. What? <laughs> the real Taj That's... Mahal, not the Lego Taj Mahal? Well, we were in the, the real Taj Mahal. Like, uh, he actually, we're in the hotel and the elevator opens for us to go up to our room and my parents <laughs> are with me and, and Sam comes off. He's like, Kishore Hari from Tested. And wow. my, and my mom does this like slow turn to me. Where like her face just turns and is like so happy. So huge thank you to Sam Hendricks. Wow. Follow him at, at Samuel Hendricks. That that was your um your master of none moment. It totally was. Checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one other thing to uh, or two other things to note. So uh, one we talked before I left about comparing entertainment systems on different uh, Airplane, airlines. airlines. Yeah. So I flew Singapore Airlines and my travel got a little bit screwed up on the way back and I had to travel on Cathay Pacific. Um, and I got to compare and contrast in different cabins as well. Man, Singapore is on top. That entertainment unit is great. Now, I haven't compared it to United, which you mentioned before we left. They may share the same one. It's like you it's, go to these conventions. What's so great? I mean, for it's me, highly responsive. Virgin is the top so far that I've experienced. Virgin is slow. Well, well not, they, not they, the they, new they one. The updated yeah. version one is still 
their proprietary one. I believe United shares a same platform. Cafe Pacific other. had the same platform. Yeah, is it a la carte ordering? Uh, no, but they like Singapore bothers you so much with food that oh. you just like want them to stop. There's yeah. so much food. Yeah. Um, like at, at one point when they deliver your like personalized J- Ben and Jerry's ice cream, you're like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm good. Without personalized Ben and Jerry ice cream. Yeah, it wasn't so, wasn't so bad. You gotta stop flying first class. It's expensive. The only thing that was terrible about Singapore Airlines is that I watched Suicide Squad on it, and I was like, wow, this movie needs to stop. Hmm. It was. Awful. And you hadn't seen it before. I hadn't seen it. It was so bad. I I had to stop and restart that movie multiple times and force myself through it. My goodness. Is that a perfect segue into? <laughs> no. Oh, you have, no, no. You have more I, I have, oh, I have yeah, one yeah, more yeah, thing. Yeah. I have one more thing. Sorry for how long this nope. is. But um, I will say I, I watched a lot of movies. Hello, My Name is Doris. One of the best movies I've seen this year. Is it's Sally Field. It's one? Sally Field, directed by Michael Showalter from the formerly of the state and other yeah. things. Really gorgeous little movie. And I also watched Sing Street, which is by the person that made Once, which is a great little movie. Oh, uh, okay. I have a little demo here. So for the audio Ooh, listeners, I'm I like going it. to oh. showcase because Make here it. is the story of my trip to India. I'm putting a one, five, <laughs> ten, and twenty dollar bill on the table. All right. All right, Mr. Jeremy Williams. Thirty six. Okay, I am going to now uh, do something. I'm going to take away the five, mm. <gasps> and I'm going to take away essentially the twenty. <gasps> um, it, it's really you know, it's mm. really like taking you've, away. You've you've the, uh, you turn you disappear from baller status. Um, I'm going to take these away and ask you how you would handle life if you had to just use like a ten and a one. You'd you know, be tipping more, a lot more. More tens. Are oh, you rounding up or down? <laughs> I don't know, Jeremy. That's your question. I mean, what do you say? You you just use. Do you have more bills so in your pocket? In India, what they did is they demonetized the five hundred rupee note and the one thousand rupee note. By demonetize, I mean demonetize. Like those bills have no value anymore. You just took away the two most versatile bills. I did. I I think I took away. You know, the one is the obviously probably the most commonly used, but the twenty and five are really what. We I don't know for sure. I live in a five dollar. That's my. That's, wow. That's how I spend. Is are people not using credit cards everywhere? No. Yeah. So they don't have Venmo in India. So they took away the twenty, the the five hundred rupee and thousand rupee note, and. You had to like exchange it at a bank. Mm-hmm. So I went to a I, for smaller bills. For they are basically eliminating the thousand rupee, and they're coming out with a new five hundred dollar uh, note. I see. And um, the new five hundred dollar note is slightly bigger than the old rupee note. Five hundred rupee note, sorry, is slightly bigger, and ATMs weren't didn't have the right part oh, to awesome. dispense it. It's oh, like the so chips. they had to order new parts. That's great. Every ATM in a country of sixty a to seventy percent of the ATMs that we saw were out of service. The lines at banks were typically about two hours long, mm. and they'd run out of money before like noontime. How's the economy affected? So, uh, Goldman Sachs revised down the economic projection for the country by almost a full percentage point based on this currency move. Wow. And, and that's this a whole, political decision. And this whole move was dictated by this idea that there's so many people that are using, that are hoarding 20 and fives, like hard currency, and Why? not paying any taxes oh. on it. And so they're mm. forcing them to deposit it in banks. And then if you're over a certain limit, you have to pay tax. You have to pay tax on it. Wow. And it was a way of getting black money off the market. And so to not signal that, they did this uh, move over a 48-hour period. It was a terrible time to be uh, 
a foreigner in the country and like i feel for the the people there because they it hurt the um the poorest the lower middle class people more so than anything else um but it was like we had to get paid in 100 rupee notes was essentially one so you imagine carrying around like a stack of like 100 200 yeah. of those when you have to change money it was really fascinating that's what i said i said more bills that was my solution yeah, that's not a good solution. It's not a good solution. Did you bring these rupee bills? I want to see the rupee bills. I did not. I got rid of them as fast as I could. What is your strategy strategy when you travel internationally with currency? Like, do you go? Do you do you book the time to go to the currency exchange? Do you do the airport? I try to do it in the airport just so I don't have to do it. I mean, I try to be electronic. You get a better exchange rate yep. from your from your bank than you will anywhere else. Yep. Um, while this is all going on, the rupee like devalued against the dollar by like four or five rupees, oh. which is like a good, you know, 6% or so. Yeah. No good. No good. All right. Let's talk about some pop culture. Oh, you know why? The, why isn't this working again? Is your audio. Dun, dun, uh, yeah. There we go. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> So I was I was largely offline. You gotta catch me up. A lot of stuff Black happened. Friday. Yeah. Well, I was pretty online. Yeah, Black Friday, Cyber Memory, all pretty underwhelming, I think, this year. Although, yeah, we did talk about that. Um, movies, a lot of good entertainment has been out this year. I saw Moana. I saw Moana. Did I you did see not. Moana? My son wanted to go see Trolls instead, so what? I saw Trolls. My kids want to see that too, and it looks like Rotten Tomatoes gave that a seventy something, so it's not bad, right? Norm. Trolls was pretty good. There you go. Oh, there you go. who made that? DreamWorks. DreamWorks. That screams DreamWorks. I see your yeah. true colors. Yeah, uh, that's no, the no. main song of Trolls. I no, know. I would. I, I took Jeremy, your kids, when we babysat to see the uh, Storks movie, and I enjoyed that, and I wasn't excited about that. But there's, yeah. n- I can't be excited about Trolls. I, Trolls was pretty good. I don't know. So, but tell me about Moana. Guess what? Not as good as Moana. No, Mo- no way. Moana's Moana. animated film of the year. The only th- oh, wow. Over Kubo? Because I oh, really you know love what? Kubo. You're, I forgot about that. You know what? You're yes. Right. Over Kubo. Wow. I don't know about I, that. I, Kubo brought a tear to my eye. I think Kubo might win it for me. I wouldn't be surprised if Moana wins it, but I think I like what Kubo What has more. stuck with you more since, in the week since watching the it? The soundtrack to Moana. But exactly. That's, but that's not fair. No, come on. It's a, it's a classic Disney film with one of the best soundtracks they've had in a long time. That's true. Uh, it, it's catchy and yet... Dense and lyrically. Wait a minute. The Rock can sing? The Rock sings. Yeah, who knew? The Rock oh, wow. sings a great song. You're welcome. And, and actually, it's not a very, um, uh, it's, it's only about like five or six songs in the movie. Uh, but they're all great songs. Lin Manuel Miranda sings a song and wrote um, some of And them. he wrote, yeah. he worked on uh, the, uh, the lyrics for many of the songs. I, I feel like there's a couple of the songs that really smack of Hamilton. And I, I talked to some the other friends two. about this. Yes. The first two. And the ones that he doesn't sing. Uh, exactly. But that right. one almost sounds like he is singing because it sounds like his kind and of songwriting. And that's why it's so lyrically, it flows so well. And I talked to some other people about this and they disagree. I'd be curious if the Moana fans out there, if they chime in in the comments. And also, uh, uh, the guy who plays Washington in Hamilton, uh, Christopher Jackson, I want to say. I forget, I forget his, the actor's name. Uh, he does the, he sings the first song as Moana's dad. Mm. And also, Philippa Sue, who plays Eliza, also sings as Moana's mom. Oh, so, really? Yes. Dude, because I, I swear, I thought at one point I heard the Schuyler sisters 
And you're telling me I heard at least one you of them. You did. You absolutely did. I knew it. And and Moana, the, the actress who plays her, wonderful voice. Uh, it is. It really s- says timeless Disney movie. Um, the short film in the beginning of it was also very charming. I really enjoyed that. Do you remember that? It was a it was a twist on Inside Out. I'm gonna say it wasn't my favorite. And not my favorite. It was no Paper Man, <laughs> but visually loved it. Yeah, and you know wasn't as as timeless as Piper that Pixar did. Yeah, yeah. Piper is my favorite short. The short, of the, year. the short line stuff in the beginning of Moana reminded me of Piper, and it made me wonder if like they were if that was a related test. You know, when, well when they don't share technologies. Disney and, and Pixar, they no. don't. You don't think that there's some emails. Oh, there there are emails, but they're complete. Like Renderman is used up up there, and yeah. then Hyperion is used down oh. as a rendering technology down um, in oh. in Disney. They don't share assets, nothing. But you're right, right because there's that scene. I mean, just visually, it's lush, yeah. right? It's. It, I mean, and also there are parts of the film that remind me of the uh, Lava short that Pixar did. Okay. Well, I right? mean, sure. Like you know, the same Polynesian, oh, same ocean. Yeah, exactly. Same ocean. <laughs> exactly. Uh, volcanoes and stuff. And. Um, but there's a scene where Guana gets, uh, she, this, there's a, she wakes up in the sand and she's covered with sand. And I'm like, wow, this is one of the most beautiful, like, just rendered scenes I've seen in a film, huh. in an animated film. I, the only thing I heard about the movie is that it takes a while to get into, like, the meat of it. Is that an inaccurate statement? Yeah, I would say it is. Oh, okay. I mean, it's just like any Disney film. Um, I would also say the other thing is it's very much the hero's journey. Like, it is Star Wars. It is... Joseph Campbell, sure. you know, Hero of a Thousand Faces. They, uh, but you have her dis- grandmother is Obi Wan. You're describing <laughs> basically almost every Disney movie to a certain extent. Yeah, and so. it does it so well. But they've really gotten away from the standard princess tale at this point. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I but, love that. You know, she just is the chief. Like, there is no her. The story isn't about her fighting to be the chief. Yeah, that is just her role, and then she is just she goes on her adventure. See Moana. Yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful. Um, yes, can't recommend enough. Also, can't recommend enough watching Westworld. And we're <laughs> we're not going to talk about the ending because uh, out of three people here, well, one person hasn't seen the show yet. And it's Jeremy. It's and not it's, the person that has not been in the country. But uh, I will ask you this. Satisfied, unsatisfied? Satisfied. I'm, Satis- I'm, it's stuck the landing. I'm Des- mostly satisfied. Despite, I think... I agree that we allowed ourselves to spoil some of the satisfaction with the theorizing and with the deep obsessions. I think the obsessions went maybe a little too far, and that's all—that's not the fault of the show at all. That's our fault and the culture of the internet. Uh, despite that, the show still managed to execute those reveals wonderfully, uh, which is something you can't spoil an execution, and also did manage to surprise at the end. And I agree, no one really guessed the end all right. of the show. All right, that's enough. That's all I can say. No, the, uh, the, so I'll just put in my one thought. SW was my favorite like thing from the yep. from that episode. That was great. And Anthony Hopkins just killed it. He wasn't my favorite character throughout the early run of this show. But man, he is just fantastic. He delivers just fantastic performance episode after oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And uh, it is a show that I really want to rewatch almost immediately. I want to watch the whole thing yeah, again. It does lend itself to that. Yeah. Um, now, there are a couple of video game events that also happened in the past week. Uh, you had the Video Game Awards. Yes. What Did you ne- watch that? What network is that even on? Twitch. <laughs> is it just on Twitch? Wasn't it on Spike TV it for used a to while? Be Spike, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's actually on, on TV right. anymore. Who, who watches it on TV? Well, uh, 
but it's a place that not only uh, our games and developers recognize uh, the games and the people who make them, but also announcements are made. Would now, you would you have guessed that Pokemon Go would be nominated for anything? I mean, besi- sure. besides like most <laughs> lucrative game, <laughs> was that the category? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, you can't dismiss, like, such a phenomenon. Like I that. guess so. Well, it won two awards. What did it win? It won Best Mobile Handheld Game. I totally yeah. disagree. What That's the terrible. F are they thinking? Um, the, That's the, terrible. the Clash of Clans Unless, lobbyists failed? Oh, my God. Unless they're saying, like, this game actually got people outside. It's just like what game made the, it's like was the biggest surprise, made the most money compared to investment. I can't believe that that won Best Mobile Game. What would you say deserve mobile game? I mean, there's so many. <laughs> Jeez, I, I couldn't tell you. I honestly, I'm like, I, I, there's a pinball game. Maybe that's that I, that why like that, that 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 category is impossible to judge because uh, there are too many. I you, guess. only the ones that rise in terms of awareness to the top can are nominated, and you know awards are all BS anyway. It also oddly won best family game. No. Now what does that no. mean? What does yeah, that mean? See, okay, I, I get that because it really? brought families together because they go Parents, on pokewalks. Exactly. Now that's true for me. That was true. Yeah. It's not a game that you play necessarily in a traditional multiplayer sense as a family. That's the thing. Like Mario Kart as a family game yeah. or, you know, some but it is a I completely see it as a family game. All right. There you go. Uh, those were that was the big surprise for me. Game of the year. It probably would have been my pick too, Overwatch. Yeah. Overwatch is pretty great. Uh there was that Limbo sequel that was awesome. Oh, inside. Yeah, inside. Yeah. Now that would have been the, that. that was the big competition. Now you know, for an industry that it, it, that loves celebrating indie developers, there were also indie developers that were, were celebrated. A lot, a lot of, a lot of things that were not necessarily mainstream. I don't think Witness got. You know, Witness. For as much of a, of a, you know, fad that as that was, uh, best independent game actually went to Inside. Oh, but I believe I believe Witness was one of the nominees. Um, you had Doom that won Best Action Game. Very, I think, totally great. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was an emotional uh, acceptance speech from the because that Dragon Cancer won. Mm-hmm. Yes. For uh, games for impact, interesting yep. category. Yep. Uh, oh. And he got up there, very emotional acceptance speech that he read from mm-hmm. his phone. Um, I, I thought that's that made me want to play the game because up until then I was like, why would I play a game about yeah. this? I just I can't take it when like kids are hurting. Movies or games, uh, but seeing that this guy had, had his heart in this game to that you know level, maybe I'll play it. Yeah. Um, gosh, I think it was only on YouTube and Twitch. Yeah, I don't know if it was was on TV. Spike TV has too much bar rescue to showcase mm. these days. Yeah. Uh, any game announcements that were noteworthy? Um, I didn't actually watch it. So and I didn't I didn't see that there was the one there was the PlayStation event right yeah so in addition to the Game Awards there was also PSX uh, in I, I believe one of Anaheim that was this this week uh, a couple of days Sony focused event a lot of things from Sony's lineup upcoming lineup uh, being shown including PSVR stuff I think Battlefront uh, PSVR was also shown there well there's a PSVR uh, X Wing mission released for mm-hmm. Battlefront I think this week I haven't played it yet yeah I haven't either. Yeah, uh, and then uh, you had Last of Us Part Two announced. Huge deal. People like that game. Yeah, have you not played it? I. Uh, it you, was very long. It man. is long. Like, um, I got maybe halfway through. It's just come on, man. I don't have time for this. Aren't there? Isn't there going to be just a blowout list of titles for 2017? I, I think so. Because I mean, well, isn't Red? Red. Uh, that's I think 20. Is it? 
2018? I don't know about 2017 or 2018. Uh, they did, yeah. Anyway, it looks good for games. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, you had Last Guardian come out. People seem to be liking that. It's uh, mixed, mixed reviews, but it's uh, maybe maybe that's a good thing for a game that's supposed to be. Um, that's uh, wait that that came out. It came out. People have it. People re- reviewed mixed it. reviews, huh? Yeah, a little bit mixed reviews, but hmm. it's okay. It's, I don't think it's supposed to be a crowd pleaser. I think it's supposed to be a little more thoughtful. Um, <laughs> huh. All right. And then uh, last bits of pop culture news. Did you guys do your homework? No. I did. I didn't. I did. In uh, I did watch Man vs. Snake. Oh, thank and goodness. what the way I did it was awesome. I used the download feature uh, to watch offline, which is Netflix. what Jeremy did. You downloaded Look, it when I mean, we were sitting here yeah. the last time we talked about I don't, it. I'm not saying I have an excuse. I just I didn't watch it. For those who didn't watch last week, Man vs. Snake is a documentary about the game Nibbler. Yep. Yeah, which is like Snake, right? Yes, yeah. the yeah. original Snake game in arcades, and it's about the quest for a billion points in a video game. This is one of the first games that had the first game I believe that had that, nine digits yes. in its score. So yep. turning over the game was the quest. And apparently, it was filmed at the same time, or they started filming at the same time as King of Kong, and has many of the same characters what? that appear. Yeah, it wasn't like wow. they some of the famous King of Kong, yeah. and then it, so it was concurrent, and it totally ties into that whole Twin Galaxies original arcade Crazy. scorekeeping movement, and it's a it, it's a story that it could have been. Like you could have watched the first fifteen minutes of it, and there was just a story in the first fifteen minutes, but they turn it into a full documentary because there's so much more. There's a whole hero's journey there. I believe it. So, did they go into how you can play a game that long? I yes. mean, how you play yes. Nibbler that long? Yes. yes, because that seems like an impossibility. Yes. Endurance was a big, oh, yeah. not just physical endurance, but the actual technical. How do you approach this game where you keep getting longer and you can't hit yourself? Oh no, you, they don't talk about the technical no. design of the game. Uh, they do interview the design, uh, the game designers, yeah. but that's more about the mechanics of like the chips and the boards. And does the snake stop getting longer at some point? I mean, it seems to me like you're no, gonna... you clear the board. Yeah, and then just that's the only way. And then it gets faster and faster, or something. Yeah, I think it reached a peak speed. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Am I the only one that cares about how you beat Nibbler? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's two other people that certainly do. Yeah, they were it featured in a documentary that was excellent and it was controversial. Really yeah, it was. Con- there was some weird bits. The one of the the main gamers is a weirdo. Yeah, and it, I mean they had characters. So if you talk about Billy Mitchell being the villain and the 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 uh, uh, the antagonist maybe of King of Kong, they have a role f- that someone plays in, in in Man vs Snake, and it's not Billy Mitchell, and it's not the same type of villain. It's a no. completely. It's like a more sinister villain. And than I Billy don't Mitchell. think they. Did anything to provoke him? No, I think no, it, no. I think he's I mean, just, it, I mean, as doc, you tell the story the way the documentary yeah. tells the story, like the way they film it, the shots, the the clips they edit in. Um, but man, this guy really—it it was like escalating because King of Kong was very clear, black and white, yeah. good versus evil. And here there are shades of gray. And Billy Mitchell plays like this outside consulting role. He just steps in. As this omnipresent, like I'm Billy, Billy Mitchell. Yeah, Billy Mitchell would on call the, the call. people. He'd be like, "Hey, you're doing a good job. I'm Billy <laughs> <Yeah>. Mitchell." <laughs> it sounds like a very nuanced drama. Oh, I can't, I can't believe you didn't watch this. This is your wheelhouse. I, I, okay, I, I got to give. Wait. I, I don't. I want to talk so much more about it. There's okay. Walter Day yeah. is a big part of both films, 
and part of it scorekeeper scorekeeper for twin galaxies he wears the referee shirt this movie dives into some of his background he had a very different trip to india than i did (laughs) (laughs) it's so true You got to watch this. <laughs> the, the end credits with Walter Day <laughs> just cracked me up. But there's a moment where, uh, so the protagonist of Man vs. Snake, the guy who is the first to reach a billion points, who's coming back to get his score, to reclaim his score, as legend tells it, when he was a kid, he was a contemporary of Billy Mitchell. And when he, the way he reached his score was that Billy Mitchell was the, was the voice behind him when they were both kids at Twin Galaxies. And he was playing Nibbler, um, Tim McVeigh. Playing Nibbler, Billy Mitchell was the one who gave him the words of encouragement that got him past the billion point mark. Like, he was the one... He's the voice of Obi-Wan? He was, and it was before Billy Mitchell became Billy Mitchell. They were both kids, right? Because they were oh, He they was were always teammates. Billy Mitchell. It's, exactly. Uh, so Walter Day tries to recreate that moment and the and so you have Tim yeah. McVeigh trying to get his billion points, and he's like a forty-year-old man. And Walter Day is like, "Oh, you're losing it. Let me call Billy. Billy can give you." And he like picks up his flip phone <laughs> and he calls Billy, and Billy Mitchell's like, "What do you want me to do?" He goes, "Just give him your same words of encouragement. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Here, Tim. Just you hear Billy's voice. You're gonna it'll help you." Because he tries to create that same drama from forty years ago, and he can't. <laughs> I just feel like if you tried to play Nibbler right now, Billy Mitchell will eventually call you. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, you can do this. Want to buy some hot sauce? Oh, man. I want to play Nibbler now. I know. Um, It's it's a different type of eSport. I like those eSport heroes and those eSports documentaries because I'm really not really that interested in eSports as it is today being told in, in documentary form. It's it's. Maybe not to be taken too seriously. And someone who's not going to take it seriously is Will Ferrell. Because Will Ferrell has, according to Variety, signed on to do a film, Talladega Night style, Blades of Glory style. Oh, is it a film or a TV show? No, it's a film. Oh, okay. I, I'm a little worried it's going to be too, uh, too Will Ferrell. You like know, too like, pandering? It will, yeah. It'll be too Big Bang Theory? Over the a, top. And not enough Silicon Valley? Like I think it'll be too semi-pro where he like you know takes a basketball and throws it at a cheerleader's head in the middle of that movie. He's, he, Spoiler: Like they're taking the you think he'll, he'll they'll take the easy esports jokes. Yeah, I think they'll make fun of like a fat kid playing esports, and it won't. I mean, you're gonna have your your Hollywood archetypes. That's, yeah, that's unfortunate. But esports is perfect for a Christopher Guest mockumentary, right? Yes, <laughs> that, that would yes. be a yes. good something approach. dry. Yes, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, Will Ferrell may be too bombastic, but the movie, as yet untitled, will be featuring Will Ferrell as a member of a pro gaming team with the twist, and this is very much a dodgeball-style twist, that he's old and busted, and the t- everyone on the team is in their 20s, and he's like a you know late 40s-year-old guy. But, and, like, new to the game, or he's like a has-been? No, no. Don't know. All right. And Do you hear about the coach? No. Who's the coach? Billy Mitchell. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the question is what game they'll play. Like whether they'll make up a fake game. All right. They'll or, make up a fake game. Or if they're going to get a license from League of Legends. Because the only way, I think the only way they can get to penetrate the eSports audience is to use a real game and to take it seriously. Oh, And what? have those inside jokes. There's but, no way they're playing Dota but, or League, League of Legends. Then it becomes The Wizard, where it's like a commercial for that game. That's fine. I mean, dude, Riot has so much money. They can pay for this. Yeah, and it would break them out into a more mainstream. I don't know. I think they have to. It has to be a funny game. I think they'd probably make up their own. You think it'd be um, Super Smash Rock, Brothers? Uh, 
I think Smash Bros. But I'll bet you'll be able to buy it. No, <laughs> so, no I bet you'll be able to buy you it. If they do with make your their Captain own Crunch? game, if they do make their own game, you know you'll be able to buy it. Oh, oh okay. I mean, they're making. I, I don't know. They're I'm, making games out of movies anyway. Yeah, it's true. It's perfect. It's true. Um, and then uh, one last bit of pop culture news, unless you guys have more stuff to talk about. Uh, Netflix also announced that next year it's going to be a big year not only for games but for TV shows as Netflix will debut 20 new unscripted TV shows exclusive to Netflix next year. Do they announce that's which a, ones? They haven't announced which ones. That's a that's lot. A, that is a lot. Big deal. 20 new ones? That Does that mean like Luke Cage season two doesn't count? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I believe Mr. Science Theater. I know. It's 20 shows, not 20 new ones. Is yeah. it MST3K one of them? Is it yes. that, that kind of thing? It's yeah. all the things they've subsidized. Yeah. We know, like, that Bill yeah. Nye show has cool. got to be one of them. So. Uh, yeah, so it includes a lot of, like, competition shows and um, Ultimate Beastmaster. I just saw that, too. What? Ultimate Beastmaster? What? What What does that mean to you It's guys? a obstacle. Well, I mean, it reminds me of the terrible movie, The Beastmaster. Mm. I think it's going to be. It's going to want to be, like, uh, Ninja Warrior. Yeah, that's what it's American looking Ninja to be. Warrior combined with Amazing Race. Yeah, it, it looks like athletes from around the world are yeah. competing through an obstacle course. although if, if, if someone told me here's a show that's the amazing race combined with ninja warrior <laughs> i'd be like yeah okay <laughs> sign me up i want to see i want to see that yes yes please yes <laughs> spend a lot more time on our butts watching TV and playing video games next year and not getting the exercise that will be monitored by our smartwatches, including now Fitbit's Pebble. Hey, guys. Fitbit bought Pebble. Fitbit didn't just buy Pebble. Pebble is RIP. Yeah. It, it completely shut down. This morning before we recorded this, they sent messages. They posted on their site and they sent messages to all the Kickstarter backers that they're ceasing operations immediately. They're stopping all hardware development. Yep. Yeah. This is disastrous. Uh, it was rumored earlier this week and now it's true. Fitbit is acquiring basically the intellectual property of Pebble and some of its engineering staff and testers, but design, product development, all gone. Pebble as a company and as a product line no longer exists, no matter how their CEO spins it. You don't think Fitbit is going to try to keep any of the Pebble lines up? Like the brand? Yeah. What, what about support for existing products? Oh, support for existing products is probably gone. Yeah, that's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I expect that to be gone. I mean, the way this is worded, it feels like that's gone. I, I'm just wondering if they're going to try to maintain like the Pebble time. Why would Fitbit buy them if they didn't? If they weren't interested in the I brand? I think the engineering talent is why they bought them so and some of the other assets the, the question is is this a, uh is this indicative of the smart watch market as a whole or is this because pebble mismanaged their product launches and uh, their own customer base so i think there's two things to, to say say about that so there were a couple industry analysts that indicate that even apple's smart watches sales are severely going to miss their targets. Mm -hmm. Apple, Tim Cook came out and rebutted it directly. Uh, yes. Which yeah. is like, And the way he rebutted it wasn't, wasn't really, uh, if you read between the lines, what he said was that sell-through is great, which means that uh, there are more watches being sold uh, relative to what they sh uh, ship to stores 
but they could just that should just be good inventory management. So they ship half as many to stores, and more of those are being sold. So yes, the market is soft. Yeah. One. Yep. Two. Uh, what? How many Kickstarters did Pebble do? Three. They did three. I think three. Three. Right. And I think it's important to note before we go too far is that they haven't delivered the re- the rewards on the last Kickstarter. On the second one. And uh. Backers were notified, and this was for like the time two and a couple other ones. Backers were notified that they won't start getting refunds until March. Okay, so you, so you mean the third Kickstarter, the most recent one from earlier this year, the one that people already paid money for, the one using Kickstarter as a pre-order system that you pay money in advance for, the thing I hated about Kickstarter, that failed? The backers? Surprise. I'm not surprised. But I think it goes to the heart of your second question is... Are we? It, does this tell the tale of a certain type of company failing? Are we talking about Pebble Two, the mm. one that was this year? Yeah, from May, it raised twelve million dollars in holy, pre-orders. Holy cow! Yeah. Um, I thought it was the time, the Pebble Time Two. Yeah, time Pebble two. two Time Two. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That yep. was the one. And also their puck. Yes, the yeah that weird puck thing. Yeah. So backers of those will get refunds through Kickstarter next March. Yeah, starting in March. Ugh. And then if you bought directly from the website, I don't think, as as far as I've seen, I haven't seen any information about when that'll happen. It's messed up, man. I think this tells you something about companies that are funded through this Kickstarter mechanism. No, it doesn't. No? No, it tells you it's company. I mean, they, okay, so they're, let's talk about the trajectory of Pebble. They had one of the most successful early Kickstarters, first Kickstarters of all Me? time, uh, Yeah, right? And I think that was great for them to kick, to literally kickstart their pro, uh a product line and a company. Yes, um, it took them a while to deliver on that because it was they were a startup, and I think it was much more successful. It was and, also one of the first was, Kickstarters. Yeah, and it's a very uh, now now classic, you know, scaling problem with Kickstarters with any crowdsource pre-order campaigns. But then since then, uh, <coughs> they should have taken investment, and they did take investment, I believe, to then develop their company as a traditional retail, yeah. you know, operation. Um, the fact they went back to Kickstarter because that's where they felt their audience was to get the money in advance to then then deliver on a product months later, that shows poor management and how they developed the product. They should have made the product and then put it on sale and gave given their customers the products. I don't it worked for them. Uh, can you say it was poor management? Yeah, they basically used Kickstarter as a marketing platform. Yeah, for the first one. No, for the second one. And the second one. Yeah, which was a very what was The was very third one is where it. it felt a little... If it worked the second time, I'm not surprised they did it a third time. What surprises me is that they were in negotiations to be acquired and they did a Kickstarter. Mm. Assuming that the negotiations were going on longer than four right, months. Right, so the, the rumors were uh, that... Who was it? Was it uh, Fossil or some, some company was going to spend $700 million on Pebble? Yeah. And that deal didn't go through. Um, the fact they did it a third time left a really bad taste in my mouth. Like... If you're gonna be, if you're successful to a point where you have a large customer base, yeah. and you have a proven track record of developing and selling products, then you should develop and sell the products, like and not the products should be able to fund the development yeah, of the new. Product. I agree, it's not consistent with the spirit of Kickstarter and what we how we see it, but it worked for them. So I don't think, from a business standpoint, it didn't I, work for the customers. I don't agree that it was a bad decision. It did work for the customers up until the point where the company got acquired. 
because the, everyone knew where to find it. They trust the Kickstarter thing. They feel good about backing this product early, and they they get to like all that stuff. It Do worked you, for them to the, to affect a twelve million dollars. Well, then you're you're doing a you're you're basing your company on a business model of promises. Yes. Of just selling promises. Yes. And I don't think that can scale in the, to the wider market. You can't tell for Christmas. You know what? I got you. I for Christmas. I back the Pebble 2 for you, <laughs> so you'll get it maybe in eight months, but there could be delays. There's almost a, let me as, read the risk. It's a fine print. It's almost as good as a contribution to the human fund. <laughs> People like being along for the development ride. You know, but they, there they, is no development ride in the third-gen product. Yeah, well, why not? Why, yeah, there was. Because it's a, it's a known quantity. At the point they had put up the third Kickstarter, their product was in Best Buy. And yeah, I yeah. think I think that is Dude, was where is problematic. I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I like Kickstarter being a place for mom and pops and, and people in their garages to kickstart their ideas. I like that. I'm just saying, from a business standpoint, I get it. Fair. It's fair. And I do want to acknowledge two things. I still think, I, even though I wear this LG Urbane, I think the Pebble was my favorite smartwatch that I've ever owned. I own like the Kickstarter edition from that first run through. And Pebble's legacy is they created this market for watches i you know you could one could argue that it would have come along anyways and it was inevitable but they clearly articulated this space and to a certain extent put kickstarter on the map Mm. and i think the legacy of this company will be long and there'll be many obits written in the in the coming weeks about it because i think it does have such an important legacy Mm. i'm not sure that there'll be very favorable obits from the people who backed this last Kickstarter. No, I mean, you should, I mean, if you're just reading online, people uh, still struggle with how they approach Kickstarter. A lot of them are like, I'm an investor in this company, and that's not what Kickstarter professes to be, but how exactly people what, use the platform. It's exactly what happened when Oculus was acquired by Facebook. A lot of la- backlash. And Oculus did right. They gave all those people the free headset when the final version came out. They did the best they could under yeah, this. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm not complaining. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's there are definitely these risks and perils of crowdfunded campaigns, um, and we're n- no stranger to them, as uh, we saw last week with the announcement of the Glowforge delay. Now, both of you are backers of yes. the Glowforge. Yeah. Like, just personally. Backers. Oh, yes, yes. And we've talked on the podcast of just some personal disappointment of not being able to have it uh, when the original ship date was last year what was it like christmas time about a year ago right yeah yeah okay so the idea was you know uh, they did their uh their pre-order basically pre-order um campaign last october and the hope and the promise was that they would have units started shipping in december and that's why we were very very early backers i believe because we wanted units in december and then uh there have been subsequent delays and i believe that it's probably this campaign was probably more successful than than they thought it would be um, and you then go, as opposed to having to manufacture and quality control a couple hundred units, we're talking about many thousands of units, and scaling is very difficult. So, you know, we gave them some slack for pushing it for quality control purposes and getting their software right to middle of this year, and then that was pushed to this holiday. And I think a lot of people, like, we haven't been pushing people, okay, like, hey, you guys should go back and go forward. You guys should, this is super exciting. Like, we were excited for it last year. We think there's still a lot of promising technology, but no delays. The stance has been for the past year: you got to wait till they ship a product. Um, we're not going. I'm not going to take my money out of the the pre-order because I want that to be locked in in the queue and for that price. 
But they did announce last week that they are pushing it yet again to next year. And now their target and their promise is that for people who back the pre-order campaign, Jeremy, you and I included, we'll get our units, our personal units, by July 31st of 2017. Before we dive into your reactions to that, for the sake of transparency, you released a video yep. on uh, like reviewing the, the beta unit they sent you. Yeah, the pre-release unit. Did you have any idea that a delay of this magnitude was happening? Not of this magnitude. No. no. Yeah. We, we were told that it was not going to, uh, that they were going to make an announcement about the shifting the schedule um, after the video was released. I think that's important to just know um, because when, when you watch a video like that, you exp- you're hoping that it's going to be available soon. Yeah. Reactions as backers. Are you surprised? Angry? Like the pitchforks are out. For, if you yeah. read the what the backers the are Glow saying. The Glowforge forums are, are not a happy place right now. Don't go there if you're depressed. Yeah. Uh, personally, I am not... I mean, I'm I'm definitely upset. I'm a little... I mean, I'm not happy because I I was hoping to have it this December. I, I Then we kept getting closer and closer to December. We got into December, still no word, so I'm not surprised, but I'm disappointed. Um, how I mean, it, that said, there are two disappointments you can have. You can be disappointed about the expectation yeah. of the product, and I think some people are absolutely rightly so. If they were hoping and hoping for uh, to have it this year to meet a deadline for some prototyping or some manufacturing, yeah, that is not the position I'm in. Like to be clear, like this is something I want to hobby around with, right? And right. there's still nothing in the world like it for this price, right? So I'm happy to wait another seven months. And right. the problem is at this point. I don't trust them. So that's the other disappointment. The disappointment is that it's yet another delay with not the communication that people would have hoped. The communication that, has been totally That the email yeah. came out, that the announcement came on there. I think they're doing these monthly updates. But the last update pr- previous to this was we're happy to announce a manufacturing partner, which if you he- read that update, it reads as, well, manufacturing partner, guess I'm thinking manufacturing. Production's got to be happening. Um, and... Uh, who knows when these decisions are made? I mean, they know. Uh, but more transparency as to where the product is in its in its production cycle and their whatever their quality control issues. Like the fact that the community members, the people who pre-ordered, didn't uh, were speculating that there were not more than two functioning units of Glowforge, which we know that's not the case. We know there are more than them. The fact that that was the actual speculation is bad news. And the fact that they, it, but it underscores how bad their communication is because conspiracy theories arise when in the in the vacuum. Yeah, uh, I feel bad because I mean we know some of the people that work at Glowforge. And yeah, no, we know Dan. Good, yeah, yeah, they're good people, and we want to see the product. I, I think six months is what really hurt. Is that it's July thirty first or yeah. seven months, however right. long. Yeah, um, like I could understand really January, February, March. Yeah, I, I don't think I think most reasonable people got towards like November and were like, it's not gonna be here for the holidays. Because if you're talking about, I mean, we speculate about this all the time with the Oculus launch. If you're talking about having a target ship day of this, you know, how long does it take to actually ramp up and make machines to get that? So, if you're, you know, are you actually gonna be successful at producing the hundreds of machines a week or hundred machines a month, leading up to that? Um, and how much of that is still projection versus uh, like your confidence? 
So I really, really hope they don't push that again. Uh, in the meantime, though, we do have our pre-release unit, and we are happy to answer questions that the backers have about the capabilities of the unit. And what we'll be doing is testing it, because you know what we can do, uh, being these having access, and we're very grateful for that access, is to to show the functionality of the machine and to show you its strength and some of its limitations uh, so you know exactly where you're going to at if you're still on the fence. If you're on the fence either about deciding to back one come next year, next August, when they're fulfilled, or uh, if you're thinking about you know um, asking for a refund. Yeah. I've actually never... Uh, I've used laser cutters very sporadically. Um, I'd love to try it out as a Nubian. And Absolutely. Like I'm getting the entire my, tested team yeah. involved in it. Um, and I, I stand by what we said in our video uh, last week, which is that it is mind-blowing that a product like this can exist. And once it, every, all, the, every, every, all the software is working right and the hardware is at full functionality, the fact that you can have a laser cutter running in your home, in your home office even, uh, properly set up, is something that I could never have imagined even five years ago. You know, walking in the tested workshop is sort of like being in that Louis C.K. bit of like you're in an aluminum tube flying across the, the country because there's desktop CNC. There's, you know, all these desktop like I'll tell you this. I could printers and now yeah, 3D printer is probably the oldest thing in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> right. Like uh, I was in, and I couldn't talk about the story last week, but I was at home uh, doing testing last weekend and I was literally, I had a, a cut running, test cuts running on the Glowforge while, uh, yes, supervising it, while also Oculus Touch testing that and also firmware updating on my Phantom, on the Phantom 4 Pro in the back. And I was like, this, this is mind-blowing. Always be testing. Always be testing. And like, these are all technologies that could not have imagined five years ago being so readily accessible and, and practical for consumers. Um, you know, speaking of 3D printing, you know, we've followed MakerBot and, and 3D printing since the first, since the cupcake, really. Do you remember before Tested started, mm -hmm. back when, Jeremy, when you and I were at Future, you ran down to Maximum PC when you were at Future Studios, and you said, have you guys seen this? You guys want to get in on a, on a 3D printer, on a thing that can make things? I did? Yeah. You were the one who clued Will and I onto the, the MakerBot. It was the MakerBot? It was the MakerBot, C the Cupcake wow. CNC. I'm so prescient. It's before Brie Pettis was this a is, name, right? Yes, and then you were the reason. Mm. When, and then I think very, very shortly after, Will and I left Start Tested. And because I said that? No, not because oh. you said that. <laughs> but you were could the... Uh, could have <laughs> been the origin story. <laughs> but our first MakerBot build was inspired by like your excitement mm. for that product. Um and we were going to chip in. I think it was like $1,000 or $800 or something for the first cupcake. And we, uh, and we were talking seriously back then. I mean, we had also talked about um, time sharing a Segway, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago also. <laughs> we never did that. But we did end up buying the MakerBot, and that's a large part of why we are what we are today. Uh, but I, I call back to that because the story of MakerBot is a cautionary tale for the hype of these type of magical technologies that, that we're seeing uh, crowdfunded and also um, emerging um, as manufacturing gets more democratized. Uh, and Backchannel on Medium has this wonderful feature-length story about the whole history of MakerBot, hmm. uh, which fills in some of the gaps that um, 
from the docu- the Baker Rock documentary that was on Netflix, uh, I believe a year ago. You saw the documentary? No, right? I didn't know about that. Oh, you got more is homework. It, is that a must watch? It is a must watch. Oh. We're in it. I haven't seen it. We're in it. You're in it? No, no. Will's in it. Will interviewing Bree is one of the first clips in the documentary. They didn't credit us. They didn't ask us for the footage. I don't. I don't mind. But they took it off YouTube. We're part of the story about the coverage of that. It's called. Um, uh, um, it's called Print the Legend. It was made in 2014, so it's old by now, but it's on Netflix. And it tells the story of uh, the maker movement through the eyes of um, the 3D printing movement through MakerBot and also Formlabs and has those concurrently, hmm. those track concurrently. And it, it's it's essential viewing. I'll be damned. Um, right. I can't believe you haven't seen it. No. Um, All right, I'm adding it to the yeah. homework list. Uh, you watch the documentary first and then... <laughs> read the back channel story, which uh, is about a twenty-minute read. Geez, this, um, this class is getting too mo- too much homework. It's you have to watch a movie about <laughs> video games and a three D printer. You know, what is <laughs> this? Is why you need a Glowforge, or is so you can run you know forty-minute, one-hour-long, two-hour-long pr- cuts, yeah. and then sit there and have your laptop <laughs> up and and uh, watch a watch a documentary or read a story. But uh, what is back channel? Is that is that a uh, back channel was Stephen Levy's um, his medium owned um, tech blo- uh, tech feature site? It's really good. They do okay. really good stories, cool. and I think they split off, uh, but they're still hosted on on Medium, and it's really really good. All right. Um, we should fly through some of the uh, tech stories because there is one thing we're itching all itching to talk about. I know about. how much. How, oh, we're we're all, well, we got a little bit of time. Um, okay, so. Uh, We'll quickly talk drones. Uh, GoPro, of course, the Karma has been kind of pushed back. Uh, they had to recall all of them, but now GoPro has announced that the handheld stabilizer for the Hero 5s, uh, and the Hero 5, uh, even though we haven't done a formal review, we do have access to a unit. We've been using it, and uh, we filmed some more designer concept with it. I've been liking a lot. I think it has all the built-in stuff that we wish the and the UI fixes that we wish the, the GoPro 4 did. It's waterproof, um, isn't it? And it's waterproof. It has cool. an LCD screen, uh, but now you can also buy the stabilizer that works with the Karma uh, that, that comes with the Karma drone. It's called the Karma Grip, and it's $300. I think they're shipping that uh, early next year. Um, but uh, it's definitely worth considering if you have a GoPro 5, and I would definitely recommend the GoPro 5. Um, on the smartphone side, uh, there apparently is a, a bug for iPhone 6s. The batteries uh, are a little buggy in some of the units. Apple has acknowledged it, which actually tells me you had that same bug, I Jeremy? already brought my phone in to be fixed. Oh, fantastic. It's you an know, overheating bug, right? No. Isn't it an overheating bug? It's a battery uh, issue. So the, the solution is to replace the battery. Yeah, but it doesn't the battery overheat? Isn't that what the... Oh, maybe that's it. But yeah, uh, Apple it says, shuts down, right? Yeah, it shuts down the phones because they were overexposed to ambient air. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah, too, too much air. So it was in the way the phones were stored um, before, after they were manufactured. The fact that Apple acknowledged it tells me that it was actually a bigger problem than they claim. The, the small number of units relative to how many iPhone 6s they sold, probably a large number of units. So if you have a 6s, take it to your Apple store, get the battery replaced. There's, at least you can find the serial number list on the online. Check that first. Yep. Uh, at least your phone isn't going to explode on you. Uh, oh, so Galaxy we're going to talk about We're going to talk Samsung. about the Samsung, uh, the, the, Samsung um, the Note 7 debacle because to put a bookend on that, uh, the story, they uh, people have now figured out why the phones explode. And it's because of the aggressive design of the Note 7. They tried to make it too thin. The batteries expanded. No and when batteries expand in a constrained space, explosions. 
fire. Thermodynamics. Um, rumors <laughs> no for next year. Now, everyone expects Samsung to come out with the Note 8 next year to make up for it. I don't think the Note line is dead. Wait, really? Note 8 or the S8? Well, they're going to come with the S8. I yeah, wouldn't be I'd... surprised to never see a Note again. No. I wouldn't be surprised. There's... Okay. That, talk that about... That brand is toast. Talk about... <laughs> Stop it. What are you doing over there? Come on. Stand up. Come on. It's been a little while. If, okay, mean, let's even assume... when I'm in airports, like I was in a tiny airport in India, yeah. and they have Note 7 signs up. Like It was <laughs> like, this is Worldwide. Over. It's uh, That would be a huge debacle because... It was such a it was a pillar for them. Yeah. Their their two year or their um, two product a year release. You'd have the Galaxy S phone in the in the spring, and then in the summer you'd have uh, the Note phone. I'm just saying. And you were talking about getting rid of one. They'd have to replace it with something. What is it going to be? S and Edge. Whatever. Google came up with a new brand. They, they'll come up with a new brand. Oh, and this is our new big phone. Yeah, mm. they spent they spent six generations of Note. Getting to the note to what it was, <laughs> and it was the phone. I mean, I guess the, with VR you could use the uh, the Galaxy S stuff now with with their their uh, the gear. Okay, but the S eight, uh, the rumors are that it will lose that they will cut the headphone jack. Big surprise, surprise are here. You freaking kidding me? Not not. not You're kidding. kidding me. That's the one advantage they have. <laughs> That's crazy. Such a dumb they call. Do it? <laughs> yeah. If they really consider that an advantage, it really uh, yes. Oh my god! All right. Well, I hope it's a rumor. I mean, I hope what, it stays are, a rumor. Are they gonna take out like phone call making on the phone? What's, what's know, next? I don't know. Let's see who who's the, who's the most courageous. Uh, <laughs> if you have a Nexus phone, you can now get Android seven point one point one, which has a lot of the features which, that the Pixel phone has exclu- previously exclusively. This pisses me off. So I have a Pixel now. Hey, and, better together. And I'm like, I only have like they advertise the Pixel as like having a souped up version of of. Android nougat, and now like it's barely souped up. Share the nougat. Yeah, I get a Pixel. So one of the big differentiators now, Norm, is I get the Pixel launcher, which makes round icons instead of square ones. Oh. Look out! Look out! I mean, Google Assistant is still like the big differentiator, and there's some. They have like a flux-like um, component, like the light dimming um, uh, software package, and uh, and still some stuff with daydream and they're apparently doing some stuff with a fingerprint sensor on the back that allow you to actually access notifications using your fingerprint sensor all right you okay jeremy i'm gonna turn the heater down oh. i don't wear glasses oh, so the ref- heat the radiation's hitting my my lenses oh, okay uh, i'm gonna let you do that while um i move on to next uh things uh Apple TV, the feature they announced about single sign-in for their apps is finally live in the u.s so very excited about that um Update on my internet situation. Last week, uh, sure, I don't know if you listened, I had signed up for yeah. Sonic Internet. Uh, but update, no, have not been reached out yet by Sonic to get to schedule an appointment for my fiber connection. And I saw them like reaching out to you on Twitter. They tweeted about the show. Right. So I, I don't, I'm not asking to be bumped in front of any queue. Definitely don't need that. But I'm just letting people know if you sign up for it in the Bay Area, it's going to take a couple weeks for, for you to get. Unless you put it on a job. podcast. Unless, oh, well, I guess so. Um, and if you're still looking for uh, computer deals in the holidays, I do want to share that uh, Microsoft has a pretty sweet uh, uh, promotions going on. I think during like 12 days or 16 days, 12 days of promotions. Uh, and on the final day, uh, they're doing, I believe, what is it, $200 off the Surface Pro 4 and also including the type cover. 
And so uh, because they didn't do a big Surface Pro update this year, if you're looking for a new laptop, uh, that's the one is I the, would consider getting. That's is it a Pro, Pro? What do you have? Surface Book. Oh, that's a book. Still Sorry. too high price. Pro 4 is in the $1,000 range. Yeah. It's the MacBook Air competitor, but a fuck ton better. Uh, and if you can get $200 off and get the keyboard, then uh, that would make it a no-brainer in comparison getting that in Aura, a MacBook Air. Um, Jeremy, any Bolt updates? This is not news, I don't think. But if, if, you, if you're into the Chevy Bolt, which is their you know electric car that's coming out, uh, you can go design one now at Chevy's website. What are like, the configuration options? It, I mean, we knew what the configurations pretty much were. We just didn't know the, the actual how they priced out. Okay. So, um, you know, you, there's like two tiers. There's like the LT and the Premier. And then you got all these different options. Like, do you need the uh, driver's assist package and stuff like that? But it doesn't do autopilot, but it'll mm-hmm. keep you in your lane a little bit. Really? Yeah. Okay. And So uh, it has the uh, the smart... No, um, it doesn't have... No cruise control? Adaptive cruise control? It doesn't have adaptive cruise control. Oh. But, but it does see the lane dividers, and on a slightly curvy road, it will help you out mm. is there um, two battery capacities no just one just the one. Oh, so i think can, that's smart you can get by with the base price at about what is it thirty five thousand dollars yeah or 37 37 and there's, there's some rebate yep. they, yeah they, federal rebates there's a 7500 so it's probably yeah 37.5 okay um yeah and it's cool plus the, the manual is now online so if you're looking for some light reading you know while you're doing some laser cutting or while you're not <laughs> your homework is watching getting bigger and bigger a documentary <laughs> yep um, I'm also excited. Amazon announced retail stores. This would normally lead our news. Did you watch the video of this? I this did not is... watch the video. But I get the concept. It's oh. Apple stores. Oh, no, no, no. You, If you didn't watch the video, you have to watch it. So Amazon launched Amazon Go. They announced a set of grocery stores. Um, For your inner shoplifter. Yeah. So, what is, so the idea they sell in the video is that you scan a card when you enter the store and then it uses machine learning and computer vision that when you pick an item up off the shelf and put it in your bag, you just walk out. No checkout lines. What? It knows what you've uh, selected, picked, picked up. How does it know how much my produce weighs? <laughs> Maybe it's the... Yeah, <laughs> they just readjusted the pricing, so they overcharge it, and it's, not, it's by unit, not by weight. Produce did not make an uh, appearance. So this is not like Apple's retail stores where you buy with the Apple app and then walk in, and I always feel really guilty doing that. Even though I have no reason to do that. Wait, you can buy something without talking to somebody? Yeah, so I do. You know this? So the, the Apple I, store. I forgot about that. You buy with the, the app, like an accessory. Never done it. And you walk in and you just take it and walk out. Not comfortable with that. And like, I'm every time I do it, I'm like, I, I, I feel like I can show someone, look, a receipt. Yeah. Receipt. I, have, I, I can take this. Yeah. But it's to reduce the friction in buying in, in, in the, the store experience because I don't want to have to wait for someone especially if they don't have cash registers you have to wait for someone who's buying who's selling an iPhone so that you can pay $30 for a cable so how so, do they do? how do they safeguard against theft they don't They the shrinkage is built in and I, maybe the security is trained we don't know much about how it actually works there's and not there's not like an RFID or something in the in the I'm prog- sure the location of the phone they kind of match that with so that when I leave it like tallies one off, but they knew because I, I just bought it. I think this is like a straight up the NSA store. It is like you're constantly under surveillance with like cameras and like. Oh, you're everything. talking about the the Amazon one, yeah, yeah, Amazon Go, and they're open a lot of these. Yeah, I. Uh, so I initially was like, "This is lame, whatever." And my wife looked at it and was like, "This is a way to encourage you to buy more stuff in the store because they'll just be like, oh, 
There's no you don't have to think about you don't think about fewer than ten items. It's just like when you use a credit card, you're more likely to buy more because you don't physically. Now, have what to. are my prime benefits? So I get prime cuts of of steak or something. <laughs> what's what's? I mean, all joking aside, I went to I was at a Target yesterday, and oh, I'm sorry. after watching, yes, that's exactly correct. Because after watching this video, I like went and I stood in line for like the self checkout, and it broke, and then I had to go stand in another line. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this. What I want to see is a time lapse video or the computer vision video of what the store camera sees in Amazon Go. Oh, but then they'll work around it. They won't do that. All the right, videos... let's attach a GoPro to our heads. And we'll do a three-way test where we each go into the store and buy the, our shopping list of things. And you guys are way too cynical. This was pretty amazing. This is pretty amazing. You got to watch the video. I mean, I think the be- uh, the way these work is that they're gonna, they're going to expect a certain amount of f- slipping through the cracks, right? Like they build that into the business model, and they they're fine with that because they believe that the advantage that they get, they can their margins get smaller, but the advantage they get of the experience, the customer scale, experience yes. is going to be so much better. Yeah, and Amazon is in information, just like everyone, you know, else. That we it's like Uber. About. Yeah, they're going right? to garner so much information about even when you pick up something and put it back. Maybe they're going to incentivize you the next time you come in. Right. We thought with Uber, you were trading for convenience. You were trading cost that you were paying a little more than you would a taxi, then and, and getting convenience. But what we're actually paying is privacy. And you're giving information, uh, and what you're getting is convenience. By the way, saw one of the Uber self-driving um, cars Bolts. on my street oh. last night. It like oh. pulled up right next to my house. Oh, so they're doing residential areas yeah. now? Oh, wow, cool. I've only seen them in downtown. Uh, last story, I think, is that Google Wi-Fi is shipping now. Google, uh, the, yeah. The, the, this week, so. So many mesh networks. It is. I mean, there's only really, there's four that I know of. Right there's um, Ubiquity's Amplify, Eero. the Eero, mm-hmm. Google Wi-Fi, and um, is there another one? Uh, Luma. Okay. Yeah. So I, mm. I think there's there's four that I know of. Right. Maybe more coming, but I mean that's not more crowded than going to the router aisle at any store right now. So it is 2016, the year of wireless routers. Let's go now. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to ask Ashore if he had Rogue One tickets. No. All right. We'll talk about this afterward. <laughs> now it's time for a moment of science. All right. So this week brought the breakthrough prizes, the self-described Oscars of science. So tech bro billionaires, Yuri Milner and Mark Zuckerberg got together with you know, a set of small other people to create a fund that would recognize some of the top scientists in the world and each give them $3 million as an award for their life's work. Uh, And they host an award ceremony that is actually broadcast on TV. It was broadcast on National Geographic on Monday night, uh, and it'll also be on Fox on December 18th. Uh, and I got to go to the, the it was at Hangar 1 uh, down at NASA Ames Research Center. Uh, but I also went to the symposium the day after where the scientists actually described some of their work. So you want to put me on the clock? Give me two minutes. I'm going to tell you about the winners this year. Go. go. All right. First up, detection of gravitational waves. Uh, Ray Weiss, um, uh, Kip Thorne validated a, a, a portion of general relativity. 
Uh, well next, deserved. Next up was on string theory. There's this. I there's a theory um, that was validated. Well, not validated, but a theory that there's actually two dimensional islands of strings that come together and vibrate. And there's an amazing calculation that led to that. That one. Uh, you've heard of the uh, three. <laughs> Jean Bourgain, uh, which is a mathematician, one for uh, you've heard of the Pythagorean theorem where you can use two sides of a triangle to calculate the position of a third. Well, imagine instead of uh, two lines, uh, a wave. And he was able to calculate a superposition of that wave uh, using a form of a Pyth Pythagorean theorem. It's a very elegant math problem. Stephen Ellinge won for uh, discovering processes that DNA uses to repair itself. Harry Knoller won for his work in um, uh, uh, taking first pictures of of molecular structure of ribosomes. Ribosomes are basically the protein factories in your cells. Roland Nuss won for discovering the WNT gene, which plays a key role in the development of embryos. Huda Zogby won for the of a discovery of a mutation of the SCA1 gene, which leads to a... Uh, a very famous uh, neurodegenerative condition, which affects about 150,000 people where you lose all motor function. And finally, Yoshinori uh, Yosuma won for his discovery of autophagia, uh, where uh, cells essentially recycle them. They take out the trash. They release uh, autophagosomes, which capture like proteins and other sort of spent junk in your cells, uh, collect them, and then have an enzyme come through uh, and eat them all. That's it. Those are your seven winners. Some of these are some are some of the most important discoveries ever made I'm in glad, the last couple of years. Glad we spent three seconds on them. Um, <laughs> one cynical argument is that these are all people that have won Nobel prizes or Lasker awards, which are you know really important medals. They probably don't need the money, um, but it's hard. You're going to have a hard time finally argue with recognizing scientists and treating them well. Morgan Freeman actually was the MC of this event. Oh, the voice of God. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I encourage people to watch it because like, it's rare that you get to see scientists this, this excited. All right, I got two stories. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about VR in a moment, right? Yes. Well, Jeremy, I want you to imagine a scenario okay. where you didn't have to wear a headset, where you didn't have to wear anything. I'm there. That I'm going to use transcranial... Uh, magnetic stimulation to beam <laughs> the game directly into your brain. Take, take my money. So Ooh. we have a first study that actually showed this. It was a very sort of small game where a game was essentially beamed directly into your brain. Wait, wait. Transcranial magnetic stimulation. Wait, wait, wait. Magnetic so, stimulation. They, That's the name of this podcast. They did this? It's not. <laughs> yes, yes. They did this. Yes. There's a, a, a paper cited. You can see the... Uh, the actual, they created a representation of what this potentially looks wait, like. Wait, wait, wait. Now, now I know is I this like to... waving a, a tuning fork with magnets next to your head and I... feeling good? What, I... What's what's the deal? I know I can go to Target and I can buy a force-powered game where if I think <laughs> positive thoughts, I cause a ball to, to levitate. So is e that no, no? That's that's, this easy. is different. That's using like you know functions you're based to play a game. This is essentially beaming it directly into your brain. What so do they you can visualize? It was a. It's sort of like a. Um, a silhouette of a cat. <laughs> no, if it was like a, Dude, wait, a pathway game. This is crazy. What the fuck? You're telling me that I, somebody saw something it, that they were that was beamed into their brain? But what did they see? What was it? So there's transcranial <laughs> magnetic stimulation. Let's get it on a timeshare like, for this. <laughs> this broke Jeremy's brain. It induces something called phosphenes, which uh, actually um, are kind of like small specks of light that you can sort of perceive in your in your brain so you create sort of sensory 
um, oh, so it's not images. It's sensory projections. It's mm-hmm. feelings. What does that mean? Is it is it emotions? <laughs> what? Isn't that what you're saying? <laughs> not just emotions. Like, uh, I mean, people were able to actually see this. It's a virtual maze, is what they actually. They, but they didn't stimulate the 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 eye. They stimulated the brain. Yes. Oh my God! This is the future. What? Is, and what did they see? They, still, it was a virtual maze. It was oh, like a character going like a three dimensional thing or like a Pac Man. No, two D. <laughs> they saw Pac Man. Three D. Come on, man! You're, you bared the lead. Pac Man beamed to your brain. Yeah, I don't think there are ghosts. And there's, you know, I it think it was ghostly pretty, image. <laughs> they saw. A ma- Did they have to wear a blindfold? They had to wear a blindfold, right? Uh, I actually don't know. They That's pro- a good question. They probably had I read to the filter out everything else. I read the study, but and I then didn't what is, is it like a ghost like image? Is it very clear? Can they text, can they texture map? <laughs> it's a can they texture map? What's the resolution? <laughs> We're gonna revisit the story next week because oh. I'm going to find the Oh my god. Um, I imagine in the here's future. Here's the figure that illustrates the oh god, what the, yes, what they yes. actually saw. Uh oh, it's loading. Come on. It's it's uh, like a what? stick figure with ladders. This is going a joke. To, no. They actually saw this? Yes. In color. That's a color image. Yes, definitely color. Now this looks what? like a white versus color okay. doesn't make it. So, so, so think like Load Runner with four colors. Yep. Okay. That's what that that's what we're seeing here. So in the future, do you have to train your brain to be more receptive to these images? Is that the deal where like you can be better attuned to get the better fidelity transcranial magnetic imaging? <laughs> Here's the crazy part is so it was a maze and they actually had to play the game. They had to like move. How? 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 They had to physically move what? inside the machine and like and to demonstrate that they did it. And this game had ten steps. So What's when they physically moved, that like when they reached that point, they physically moved in the right way. It would let them progress to the next. But step. they could have used a gamepad somehow, right? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, they, I would be impressed if it was just like see I knew what, what I read. You see. Tell me what image you see, and then if I was brick wall. Done. Like I need to even. Inter- I don't need, even right. need interactivity. Just it's, then it's just, like Vankman from the opening scene exactly. of Ghostbusters. Yeah, tell me, <laughs> or it starts with Troopers. What's the card? Yeah. Right. Like you want to see what it looked like for the for the uh, person in the machine. How do you know what it looked like for the person? Oh, like what it, when they were the sitting experimental there. Setup, setup. Yeah. What's the setup? Was it very much a Ghostbuster setup? No. It's just like it's very Matrixy. I don't know. How are you not? Oh, compl- like a leading in the chair, and then the, you know, like a, you have a, a spike in their up. back. Yeah. How did you not come in here today and say, I got our top story? I knew when I read this this study that it was going to blow your mind. I'll do a, a fuller takedown. How can I sign up that. to try this? <laughs> you just want to be you just want to be a beta tester. Did you not see? Is there any danger? Did, did you not see Black yes, Mirror the, season three, episode two no, beta test? Not. No, of course not. <laughs> what? So there is a danger. Uh, Transcranial <laughs> magnetic simulation does that's have all some he sees. side effects. It's yes. all he sees for a week. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the, it's a, he's stuck with that brick wall and that maze being in his field of view for the rest of his life. That's that's burning. <laughs> when he dreams too, or is he? Is that his freedom? <laughs> yeah, it's freedom. That's right. All right, Jeremy and I are going to have a longer conversation about this game. Uh, I have one other thing that that is. Probably also equally my mending. Uh, so, uh, nanotubes, we've heard of these before. Uh, a group at MIT was able to, um, and this is sort of a trick that's a little bit of a mystery. They're able to get water inside of a nanotube. And when water is in nanometric space, 
its phase conditions are a little bit weird. So it doesn't operate under the same like water to gas under the same conditions. They were actually able to freeze the water in there. What it expands? Yeah. But what temperature does water freeze at in normal conditions? Just zero Celsius, mm-hmm. right? It froze at a hundred degrees Celsius inside of here. So when it normally would boil, it froze. It froze. In- and the idea of this that's really exciting. So A, what the fuck? Um the B, um, protons uh traverse ice uh ten times better than in water. So we may have a better electrical conduit system uh if this holds up. They froze ice at 100 degrees Celsius. That is unreal. What are the properties of the ice? Jeremy is still broken space. from the, g- I know. <laughs> the game, but um, I, this this is the one that broke my head. Uh, I think it's fascinating because, and it's not just all from pressure. There's other conditions here that that drove that factor. I'll link to that paper. Awesome. Last thing is that uh, the Bill team from the MythBusters have their new show premiering on December 9th. Friday. Oh, the White Rabbit Project. Yeah. Excited uh, that. I'm definitely going to check it out. I encourage everyone else to. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. Now, before we jump into the VR Minute, I do want to thank the sponsor who's brought us this episode of This Is Only a Test, and that is Casper Mattresses. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Mattresses cost well over $1,500, but Casper Mattresses cost $500 for a twin-sized mattress, up to $950 for a king. Combining springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right amount of sink and just the right bounce. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. Its breathable design helps you regulate your temperature throughout the night. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Try Casper for over three months, 100 nights, risk-free in your home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. And Casper mattresses are, of course, made in America, even though you'll get free shipping in both U.S. and Canada. Now, listeners of this podcast can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash test and using the offer code test. That's casper.com slash test and using the offer code test. Terms and conditions apply. And now let's talk about this touch. You got the touch. Yeah, that's right. I went there. And I got we the all, power. We all got the touch, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. It's all underwhelming now. Now that it's not beamed into my mind. Do you want to know they transferred 72 bits of information over a 60-minute period? It's the largest uh, transfer of bits uh, through non-direct contact ever. 72 bits. 72. And that image was in 72 bits? No. No, 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 no. Get the demo scene on this, Jeremy. No, dude, that wasn't. What are you even talking about? Seven, that, That's 72 on You mean off. in like beam compression? That image is 72 bits? That's what the the article says. Get the demo scene on this. It sounds like they're already on it. it sounds like these guys got their game. <laughs> um, What's one side effect from doing this? <laughs> you're putting one side giant effect. magnets around your brain, so inducing imaging. Magnets? I'm fine with that. Oh, there's actually a lot of um, controversy on TCMS on how it's used to treat various conditions, and people indicate ghost imagery as side effects. It's not like a, a small thing. 
But I will tell you, the group that did this is at the University of Washington. I will put in some inquiries and see if we can go visit. How about that? Oh, my God. All right. All right. All right. We got to talk about the touch. All right. So it was my kid's birthday party, birthday last night. So I didn't get to try out the touch till about like pretty late. And you've had hands on for a while. So I want to hear more from your perspective before I give you my very short take on it. Well, All right, we we've loved the touch since we first tried it, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, the the thing that came we shot the review uh, last late last week, um, and a review came out on Monday. Uh, but as Jeremy and I were even doing the review, the thing that we were discussing was, you know, there are the yeah, nuanced little things that we could inform you about uh, in terms of ergonomics and battery life and 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 accuracy. But having used touch at events like Oculus Connect both last year and this year at E3 at GDC. We already got a great sense that hand presence was going to be important, and this was going to be an essential part of the Oculus ecosystem. It's just a comfortable controller. And the only way we would have not recommended Touch is if it was a disaster in terms of its tracking, or if the content wasn't there. And that neither of those proved to be the case. That's right. I mean, there's as we talked about in the review. There's the downside of the. You need um, a third camera in order to get room scale with the Vive. The two lighthouses work great for a very large tracking volume and 360 room scale. For the, with the touch, the default setup, it's, it's meant for, for a face forward-facing experience, standing forward-facing, with a little bit of leaning, maybe a step or two in every direction. So but it really it, is a philosophical discussion of what type of games are best are, are in, in this, you know, in the first generation of kind of positionally tracked VR uh, make the most sense that... You know, are we really constraining developers by on the Oculus ecosystem by encouraging these forward-facing yeah. games, uh, or are we missing this huge opportunity to make 360 and also room-scale games? Um, and given that Vive has been out for nine months or six months at least, it's almost nine months now, um, that uh, with room-scale, for room-scale, we just haven't seen the deluge of room-scale essential games. I don't know if that's a fair I, I know. criticism because it's chicken and egg. You know, there, there's not an incentive for developers to put a lot of development money into VR yet because yep. there just isn't the, the installed base. Um, I got I to gotta think that there's some great room scale games to be had. Um, they're just they're just not out there yet, and so maybe maybe it's a generational thing. I mean, maybe we'll see a better tracking. Second gen will have wider room scale by default. And we'll see more room scale opportunities then. Like the, the, the thing is, like with with the games that do support a you know wide tracking volume, we ended up wanting to progress past the, those borders anyway, and mm-hmm. so we ended up teleporting. And well, unless you design something to be just in a room. Well, that's like job very, simulator. Very right? specifically, if your game design is meant to be just in a room, right. whether it's an escape room puzzle or job simulator uh, or co- some a large cockpit game, right? Like. Those are the places where having your known quantity, Absolutely. 10 feet by 10 feet, 15 feet by 15 feet area is going to be perfect. Um, but like I said, it's, it's chicken, like you said, oh, I'm getting static. Like you said, it's, it's chicken and egg because developers who are making those games are also making versions of those games work because the market, at least initially, yeah. isn't full room scale. And I know that's where the disappointment comes from. That's where the internet argument comes from is, is in the missed opportunity for this first internet for this first VR generation to be full room scale because of the limitation of front-facing design. So I got to tell you just off the top, from me cutting open the package Mm. to being in touch was less than 10 minutes. 
Well, and you already had one of the sensors set up. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I had Oculus installed and blah, blah, blah. It took, I spent more time um, installing the games than mm. I did setting up the touch. And I, I think that's so non-trivial about how easy it is to pick up touch and go from, and how natural it was. It was just there instantly. Mm -hmm. Like, and all of those, when I was watching the video and you were talking about like the thumbs up and the, you know, the pointing the gestures, and all the yeah. hand gestures, I was like, oh, that'll probably be a learning curve. Not at all. It was just there immediately. For me, it was like, when I realized this, I had to stop trying to make the gesture and just make the gesture, Yeah, that was the trick for me. I, I've moved, I think we've, yeah, you go through the uh, the learning curve, which is the tutorial tells you, forces you, try to make a point, try to make a thumbs up. Um, there's some construction going. Yeah. Um, and um, I agree, but I'm still finding in games, because games use the gestures differently, like in Dead and Buried, you do the uh, the hang time as opposed to, yeah. uh, and I still have to think about, okay, how is this game using this variation of my finger arrangement? Mm -hmm. And no one's supporting the middle finger yet. Yeah. <laughs> I only had a chance to play one game, and uh, I, I chose the VR sports game partially because they had a hockey game. Yeah, and you I, used to play. Yeah, I grew up playing hockey, and I played goaltender. So when I was goalie and I got to inhabit a goalie, I was like, I'm there instantly. Absolutely. I totally hurt myself, and I thought I was going to break the controllers because even though Guardian was mapped, I have a small office. Uh, I was just like, I just started playing. I was on the floor. I, I did not play like I was playing a game. I was playing like I was playing an ice hockey game. Yeah, dude. Every one of us has knocked the touch controllers into some object um, unintentionally. Yeah. And, and I, I've done it multiple times. We, and it, they've, they've been resilient, but we, uh, Joey was using them, and he straight up hit into like a 4 by 4 Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a pole in Frank's shop, and we, we, I thought it was going to be broken, but it, it wasn't. But the fact is, the fact remains... Um, the immersion level is so high. I have a hole in my wall, thank, courtesy of Dave Reese. You really? Yeah, Vive controller flew straight well, forward. Well, the like, Vive. Yeah, well, whatever. You know, it's going to happen on the touch eventually. Use the, use the straps. Even if you don't yes. use the Guardian walls, er use the straps. Early in the day, I saw Gary post some comments about uh, not noticing the straps, and Jeremy saw was on this thread. Uh, and I quickly decided that straps were necessary. Strap up. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that we didn't get to touch too much in in the review is just the the 50 launch titles because they announced that after we had shot the review and there are we didn't get access to all 50 of those games a lot of them are familiar games and experiences that we had seen being ported over from the Vive and we did talk in the review about Vive cross-platform compatibility which has since been improved like you know, haptics are now built in um, on Vive on, on Steam VR when you use the Oculus Touch there oh they are yeah they did that over the weekend um and also, but the big thing is social. So, you know, because for the review, we got early access um, and we, got, we could play the games, but there weren't a lot of multiplayer sessions. I know you played The Unspoken and we did a little bit of Bar Dead and Buried, but since then we've been doing a lot of multiplayer with the touch. Yeah, I think this is a huge topic. Because, huge. Because for me, like online multiplayer games are always fun compared to single player games in their own special way. But there's something about VR multiplayer that amps it up like i feel like i'm there with you in yep. a way that is beyond that i absolutely yeah, on 2d screens but the friction for getting connected is 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 augmented the feeling of the difficulty of you know if i if we're, if we're just playing quake 
and someone can't connect or something, yeah. it's not as frustrating as when we're dead and buried and we're trying to get someone to get into the room. Is that an interface problem, though? It absolutely is a UI. It's, it's both a UI problem and an infrastructure problem. Like, they don't have an... Their, their Xbox Live equivalent isn't quite there yet. Their friends list is still in beta. Yeah. Uh, and also, every game does it differently. Like, the fact that in Arizona Sunshine, we had to create a host and then like put these cartridges in and like the, we were using Skype because you wouldn't hear voice while the games are loading. Like these are growing pains that they need to fix soon. Otherwise people aren't going to be playing these games in VR. Now a lot of people have touch right now and we have been playing games where people have been dropping in into, into dead and buried and into mm-hmm. like into open games. And that's, that's fine. But like the, the community isn't big enough that we can rely on that like we could on Xbox or PlayStation. Um, so they need better matchmaking. They need—I don't know if they need serverless, but they need some. They need some unified system. Uh, but once we get in, like we are having a ton of fun. Four-player horde mode. I've played longer VR sessions than in my ever before. Ever, yeah. This yeah, past this, week, yes, I, mean, I agree. I have spent hours easily. Yeah. Do you get worn out a little bit? I used to, but whatever it is about this whole social thing, what, plus with the comfort of Oculus versus the Vive, I think. Like um, Jeremy and I were playing Arizona Sunshine the campaign yesterday. And we were literally stuck there in half an hour running around because we couldn't figure out how to progress the next part of level. But we weren't, like, it was frustrating, but we didn't want to, ta- we didn't want to leave because it was still a social experience. We were still chatting. We were still, like, wandering, exploring. Yeah. Like, and it was a most silly thing. Um, and it, it goes to the verbs that you can do in VR that Will talks about a lot. Uh, in, in the campaign, in the first bridge level, there's a locked car, and you, you're supposed to unlock the car and find a winch inside the car. And we find these pair of keys inside this house that we think have to go with the car, but we can't use the keys to unlock the car because I put the key and there's no place to put it. And so we're there literally for half an hour looking for the winch. We break the windows of the car to see if we can look inside and find the winch. Like all these like VR things that like, oh, can we break the windows? Yeah, we can break the windows. Let's just like try to- You're in a real escape room almost. Like, we're Except, like, yeah. Right. And we're like trying to put our heads through the car to see if we can look through it. And it turns out it's the silliest thing. I look at the some point. I look at the keys. I bring them up. I'm like, oh, they look like car keys. They must be car keys. <laughs> and I realize there are buttons to click to unlock the car, <laughs> which is a verb that you wouldn't think about in terms if it was outside a, a VR game. Because I thought of just like move. You got to move your hands to unlock the car. Right. And it and it just went like. It went boop boop, and then it scripted and moved on to the next segment. Uh, Then oddly, the car alarm went off though once we opened it up. Well, it it activated the. uh, Yeah, 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 it's very real. You had had unlocked it though. I also (laughs) broke in the glass. Well, okay, so so then all the zombies came, and that's when it gets like VR terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Because we're held up in the house, taking turns emptying our clips into these run rushing zombies. It was. It was. I got to do this. And when they get in your personal space, great. It's like seriously frightening. yeah, when I was playing Damage Core, I was very like, this yeah. is personal space issues. Yeah. Um, and then even games like Rip Coil, which outside of VR would not be exciting. But Jeremy, you and I and Will played and had a ton of fun. I, I It's like playing a Rip Coil. Discs of Tron, but not probably as good as that will be once they make it. But it's uh, like a Frisbee game where you're trying to throw it past your opponent so you hit the goal behind them. But you ricochet off the walls. And the the cool mechanic is you lean left and right to cause your platform to to, to slide s- to strafe, and uh, oddly no, no motion sickness for me. So good game. That's also a good example of a game where you could imagine someone making the argument that why isn't this a room scale game? Why aren't I encouraged to go move left and right and and, and actually move around um, as opposed to just leaning my head? Because you could technically play it right. sitting like down. Like that'll probably that seems more like a discodron kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're on a. a 
a disc and you are moving around it. So, and, and to which I would say, you know, let's we gotta wait for things like Lone Echo, where it's gonna be more moving around and climbing around. But that's a spinning game. Like, I don't think you necessarily need to move around in that game either in terms of room scale. That's well, like, but that's 360 at least. Yeah, right, exactly. That's definitely 360. Um, the other social thing, uh, so we play Dead and Buried Horde mode. I'm, I'm loving that. If we really want something, like, we're ready for the next thing. We're ready for something more intense. We spent some time in big screen too. Yeah, which we I hadn't done before mainly because uh, I, I'm I'm kind of terrified of hanging out with random people, um, but <laughs> but it turns out I haven't had a bad experience yet, and I've gotten in there with uh, Gary's the one who said you got to try this. This is and I think at least as of a couple of days ago, this is actually his favorite app. And he, he he we go in there, we're all in a movie theater, and he can project on a huge screen in front of us on a movie screen, um, whatever he wants from Netflix or YouTube, and it's perfect frame rate, perfect sound. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Norm tweeted out the picture of you walking in there and seeing your guys' video That's up right. on the yeah. screen. Yeah, so we popped into, and then people can create their, their own rooms, and they can be of different designs. It can be theaters, bedrooms, living rooms. Um, we should watch Man vs. Snake that, that you way. You guys should. You would watch it again? Yeah, I would watch that again. That yes. was good. With, I mean, this is the promise of, one, it was the promise of uh, the movie theater Oculus Video with the Gear VR. Uh, when we said that watching stuff, watching a big thing, uh, b- yes, big image, and and having a social experience, but also that Netflix um, viewing app for Xbox 360, right? Like this is the logical culmination of that. I guess so, but this is being there. You know, this is virtual reality. And and the and not only are you being there, you have your own desktop. Like you imagine, like you have your desktop screen there, which is like a laptop. Everyone has their own little laptop on yeah. their laps that they're looking at their own screens. You can beam whatever you want to the shared big screen. Yes. Uh, and I imagine it'd be fun just browsing the web, hanging out so in Norm, that space. Norm wanted to talk about a future project, and, and he was explaining what was on the web. I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to hop in a big screen. And then like, once we figured out how to set up a private room, we got in there, and it was totally functional. It's it was collaborative. It's like having a meeting. I swear I, to I was God. Like, wow. I, I blew up my web browser. I'm like, okay, I pointed, like, let's get that thing and that thing. Let me scroll down and show you this video. And then we were talking, and it was just like we were there. Wow. I mean, it really was as good as being there. It was maybe even better because he could, you know, browse his web and he had all his content and he could share it with me. Yeah. Um, but I would totally watch this movie yeah, with you. I, I totally think we should watch a movie because I, I'm going to have fun, like, shushing people <laughs> that are in the theater with well, us. Well, you could just meet yourself. There's a max of four people in the entire server, yeah. like, per room. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I dig that a lot. Um, some of the other games or other experiences, I can't get enough of Quill. Um, Quill and and Medium and watching people do interesting things in in both. Have of you those. started sculpting yourself in Medium? So yes, but I'm not very good, uh, and it's about you know finding time. Like what I love when I'm in Medium, what I want is collaboration. I want I want to be I want to be sculpting with other people. I want other people to be there. Um, the, anytime I'm in a single player VR experience, I wish it was a multiplayer VR experience, uh, but. We did a video with uh, with an artist, Dominic Quick, uh, who has been part of the beta program for Oculus Medium, and he ended up posting. We reached out to him because we know him, and we saw his post on Facebook using Medium, and he did a sculpting demo for us, and it just it was incredible. Like watching a prof- like the workflow of a professional sculptor adding objects and then smoothing things out, and how fast he worked, like it was felt completely natural. And I think everything that we had said previously about sculpting, how like you can do it two ways. You can walk it's in VR you can walk around your virtual sculpture or you can scale it down and just do it sitting down. He actually mostly sculpts sitting down at his desk 
and scaling things up, but not mm. not requiring that 360 or room scale to get the most out of a 3D sculpture. Because you get stereo, and you get the ability to rotate an object and manipulate an object really quickly. It's like zero weight. Um, and you can scale it up and get all your fine details in and scale down. Yeah, he exposed us to a lot of features. Apparently, like you can increase the resolution, like increase the number of the geometry mm. of your object. Mm -hmm. So you start with the sphere and you do a lot of tessellation tricks to yep. give you fake geometry. But as you want to get into more detail, you can actually then say increase geometry, increase geometry, put in more triangles, and then you can get into more nitty gritty stuff. Do you think this is that medium is already a tool that's ready for professional use? It's not because of the tricks they have to do to have it render beautifully in real time. So like, for example, we took the sculptures and we tried to print them out, but once you export them as OBJ files, and they're textured, and you load them into an app, they need a lot of cleanup work. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff that look, makes it look great in medium, but then isn't practical in uh, a, a traditional modeling app. Um, what else with, with touch? What are the revelations? Uh, I've got, I, my hands aren't sore, my legs are sore. My <laughs> legs are sore from playing hockey. Very much. Yeah, that's I was diving on the ground though. I, I was playing it. a butterfly goalie. I think hockey is the best game of the of the ones that are in there. Um, I think that there's also like, when we play a game like Dead and Buried, you know, two v two robbery mode, uh, which we have a lot of fun in. Uh, in a standard two v two or multiplayer game on the Xbox, it's the thing that differentiates teams are skill, right? Like, yeah, you can get teamed up with a. You know, with skill and balance. You can team up with a, a player who's not as great as he with headshots, and you're going to get destroyed by another team. With VR, the uncertainty and inconsistency of tracking setups, even if everyone has the Oculus, that can be a hindering factor, too. Hmm. Like, if if I know that Gary, if I'm playing, I'm just going to say Gary, because we were playing with Gary earlier. If I know he's not going to be as, he doesn't have a space to move around, or he has a setup where he can't get loads to the ground because of some occlusion, then he's going to be able to do less than if we're playing, I'm playing with you, That's and you have a better, this is my free form This setup. is my primary concern, because I have a really small office space, and like how that tracking works in, in the office space, because the parallel configuration didn't work super well for me with a tight space because you lose this like area near the near the desk. Near, near yeah. The desk. yeah, which is why I think that the best setup is going to be in the top corners of the room looking down yeah, and then with a camera in the back. Which is all just going to take a lot of experimentation and a lot of customization for everyone's space. But regardless of how much volume you actually get perfectly tracked, the limitation that you have because you, the size of your play area is different than the size of my play yeah, area exactly. is going to change the balance in-game. Totally. Yeah. So you, especially when you're talking room scale stuff. Yeah. So you want a you want a big tracking space so that the constraints are really just what you're physically capable of. Yeah. This is, is the skill. So I, that's what I love about VR, especially even the shooting games, which are an easy target. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but if you there's no auto aim, right? It's like what you it's perfect aim, and it's up to you and not being not shaky. Right. And, at some aim. point, I remember us playing, and Will's like, "Oh, you have to aim in this." That's why you're getting so many more headshots. Yeah. If you take your time and aim, you actually get rewarded for it, and it's satisfying. Can you imagine a scenario where there'd be advantages for even, like, the small, small space person? Like, you create different confines for yourself, and that would oh, have ramifications in the game? Absolutely. And like, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, because uh, you adjust your height in, in the setup. Um, like, a kid playing uh, Dead and Buried is going to have an easier time getting behind objects. 
and shooting through and, 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 you know, and, and not feeling fatigued and not getting a Charlie horse the next morning. Um, it's, yeah, it's, these are all balanced things that we're not going to know about until we have this kind of mass market penetration with, with the controllers and these games. Uh, the other surprising thing for everyone is that how much free content people are getting with touch like dead and buried VR sports challenge unspoken. And they're selling dead and buried for what? 40 bucks. If, if you, uh, yeah. For some, if you don't have uh, the, uh, if the retail bundle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also medium quill, um, even uh, rip or not rip quill. Oh, you get rip quill for free if you buy right, any the bundle. Game, yeah. Otherwise, right? yeah. Otherwise, it's like only ten bucks, right? Right. And then there's also that ninety dollar bundle that gets you the climb super hot, which I think is the best single player touch game so far. Um, King spray. And then there's also uh, even Epic Games, even though they have Robo Recall coming out next year, they put out the um, Bullet Train Bullet Train demo. Is that free? Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta do make a comment about Oculus's pricing on some of these games. I I disagree with uh, the, you think the value that you're getting there. I don't think Dead and Buried is a forty dollar game. You know, Overwatch is a forty dollar game. I think you know Dead and Buried is probably cl- twenty bucks. It's like with Feral Rights when they they released that at some insane price, and then they cut they brought it back down. I, they're not learning their lesson about that. They're giving away so much free content, and then they're trying to price it high for people who don't get the free content. I don't know if they're trying to balance that out or what, but I, I wish Oculus would, would rein in the pricing a little bit. It doesn't seem like there's anything worth these huge prices. You're saying they're using VR as a crutch for the immersion of VR as a crutch for high pricing as opposed to the amount of actual content you get. Uh, I I guess I mean I know that they don't want to end up wh- where the app store ended up where where no one will pay anything over ten dollars, mm-hmm. but uh, at the same time, I mean these games aren't aren't that big. They're they're all kind of small scale you know thought experiments, with rare exception. I mean there, there's a few exceptions to that rule, but it's a uh, yeah I, I want to see value value balanced with what you're actually getting. All right, so. A lot more about touch is coming. I know we have so much more we want to talk about. We're going to use it. it I, I think the thing that I'm agreeing with Jeremy most is that since it's come out, I've been in VR much more on a per day per night basis, and we'll see if that remains. For like, me, that that's the multiplayer component. It is. Like, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm really enjoying playing these games with you guys, and also the reduction of friction. How easy it is just to grab these touch controllers, have yeah. the setups, be. I know people talk about yeah, the Vive setup actually isn't that complicated. There is a lot of the difference between having things on light stands and having breakout boxes. Like it's one of the reasons that I'm not going back to PSVR because there's so many, there's so much cabling going on. Um, here it's really one cable, and that's it. One cable and two wireless controllers. And it, yeah, um, let's really go quickly into what we've been testing. Testing this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? Uh, Oculus Touch. Oculus Touch. Um, we got reviews of the Phantom 4 Pro coming next week. Uh, we did a lot of our touch testing. You saw in a review with the HP Omen. And so uh, we'll have a review of that at the end of this week. Um, I think the, to give you a teaser for that, the GTX 1070 on a laptop is 
fast and real sweet, but there were some trade-offs that I didn't like they made in that. Um, Kishore, I know you have the Google Pixel phone. I have the Pixel now, and Ooh. I've been testing Daydream with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a whole suite of things coming out, talking about the Assistant. But you want to know what I'm most excited about testing? Oh. I need your help with this. Yes. It is the Star Trek The Next Generation interactive VCR board game, A Klingon Challenge. Oh, starring Robert O'Reilly. Yeah. But not as Galron. I know. All right. Here's what we can do. You got to pipe this into big screen somehow. I have to hook up a VCR to my computer? Yes. God. And, And then we will play it in big screen. Ooh. But we have to get there's a physical board. Too. Oh, you ha- you can't just t- no. Oh, really? There's actually a board. We oh, have to no. do it in real life, IRL. Oh, we might have to do this in IRL. I know, I know. Mentioned on a podcast a few weeks ago. I will play this. This looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode of This Only Test. Anything do the else? homework with us. Yes. Watch Man vs Snake. Print the legend. Print the legend. Read the story on Back Channel. Uh, and and finish Westworld, guys. Watch Moana if you have time too. I know there's a lot of stuff coming out. What do you think about like an actual series, like a where it's like a tested book club, but it's watch this on Netflix and then we're going to talk about it next week. How about let's make it part of part pop of the culture? Show? Yeah, all right. Yeah, part yeah. Part still the... untitled has the whole book reading thing. Yeah. I think under do they do uh, that? Yeah, they do all the books. We'll just focus on TV and <laughs> <laughs> games. Awesome. Uh, we'll see you next week. Do we have an outro this week? No. No I mean, outro. we do, but I'm I'm slacked off. It's been uh, I'm just no good at this job. <laughs> That's oh. gonna show up in an outro. Right? God. <laughs> All uh, you have to do is is Google tested um, raw outro, and the form link comes up. No, somebody and, sent me some. And then uh, we are always looking for more outros because uh, you know. Do 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 do. All right, here I'll go to the outros link, and I'm gonna click one. Check this out. Oh, no, you didn't want that one. Uh-oh. Oh, no, it's fine. No, Kushdor said not that one. Doo-doo. Uh, this guy said I have to actually copy and paste this link. Wow. Hey, wow. if you made it this far in the podcast, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> that <they're... laughs> People care. Here we go. Hi there, I didn't see you. That's it. Tasted like the most intense pea flavor you've ever tasted. Test it. See ya.